We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022, the year of our Lord. Today in 1839, the first opium war between China and Britain broke out. Today in 1908, Republican William Howard Taft was elected president. He beat Democrat William Jennings Bryan. Today in 1911, the Chevrolet Motor Company was founded in Detroit by Louis Chevrolet and William C. Durant. The company was acquired by General Motors in 1918. Today in 1979, five Communist Workers Party members were killed in a clash with heavily armed Ku Klux Klanmen. The Ku Klux Klan, as you may know, has its roots in the Democratic Party, or the Democratic Party has its roots in the Klan. Heavily armed Ku Klux Klanmen, neo-Nazis, during an anti-Klan protest in Greensboro, North Carolina. Today in 1992, Democrat Bill Clinton was elected the 42nd President of the United States. He defeated George H.W. Bush, President George H.W. Bush. Today in 2014, 13 years after the 9-11 terrorist attack, a new 1,776-foot skyscraper at the New York Trade Center site opened for business. That marked a very emotional milestone for not only the people that live in New York, certainly them, but for the nation and many around the world. Today in 2020, Democrat Joe Biden was declared to have won the presidency. President Joe Biden will arrive in Southern California today. He may already be there. He's on his way, if not. He's on a two-day swing to campaign for embattled Democrats in Southern California. Just a few months ago, they were walking around, strutting around, pretty feeling pretty good about themselves, the far left in California. They once thought they were safe. They were going to win the election easily, no problem. Things change. Now there's most of the races that they were, the polling was saying they were going to win in Southern California are now, they're identifying them as toss-ups. In other words, it can go either way. So Joe Biden's going to fly out there. I don't know that that's going to help them. It might, in fact, it might not help them. It may work in reverse. I don't know. Psalm 92. I'm going to be talking more about what's going on in our world today and the events of this moment this day, but this month also brings us Thanksgiving. We'll be talking about that more a little later, and I understand the this upcoming election is dominating, and it should, dominating the thoughts, the prayers, the actions in our nation today. But Psalm 92 says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness 
every night. A pastor friend of mine, he's, we've been almost lifelong. We were very young when we, we became friends. I actually worked on his staff at one time as his music and youth director some years ago. But we've had a lifelong friendship. He sent me a note this day, the other day, and yesterday, as a matter of fact. And um, it had a lot of information in it, but, uh, and he sent it to others as well. And some of you listening may have gotten this. But it, part of what he said, he said, on this month that includes our National Day of Thanksgiving, I thought I would share a little prayer. And um, I want to share that prayer with you. I, this is typically, if you know this person, it's typically him. It's kind of what he's about and how he, how he rolls. But it's really good. It says, Dear God, I want to thank you for what you have already done. I'm not going to wait until I see the results or receive rewards. I'm thanking you right now. I'm not going to wait until I feel better or things look better. I'm thanking you right now. I'm not going to wait until people say they're they're sorry or until they stop talking about me. I'm thanking you right now. I'm not going to wait until the pain in my body disappears. I'm thanking you right now. I'm not going to wait until my financial situation improves. I'm going to thank you right now. I'm not going to wait until the children are asleep and the house is quiet. I'm going to thank you right now. I'm not going to wait until I get promoted at work or until I get the job. I'm going to thank you right now. And I'm not going to wait until I understand every experience in my life that has caused me pain or grief. I'm going to thank you right now. I'm not going to wait until the journey gets easier or the challenges are removed. I'm thanking you right now. I'm thanking you because I'm alive. I'm thanking you because I made it through the day's difficulties. I'm thanking you because I have walked around the obstacles. I'm thanking you because I have the ability and the opportunity to do more and do better. I'm thanking you, God. You haven't given up on me. Many things to be thankful for. Take that to heart. That's from the Lord today, I believe. Certainly, the psalm is from the Lord. I believe that pastor's thoughts are also from the Lord. There's a powerful lobbying group known as Human Rights Campaign, HRC. They're the the strongest, most influential, most enriched. They have tons of money. Advocate for homosexual Activities, the LGBTQIA, they have all these letters now. I, I mean, I honestly can't remember them all. And But anyway, that group. And um, they're trying to force Congress to end all religious accommodations for legislation, even for ministers, churches, and private individuals. If the HRC and this other, some of these other lobbying groups get their way, your church, your children's school, your business, even your social media posts will be forced to accept. I know this is strong talk. Five years ago, probably many of you would have thought, boy, Gary's overstating this. Now we know that that's where we are in the culture. But your children's school, your business, even your social media posts will be forced to accept, to conform to, even participate without And if you don't, there will be penalties in the LGBTQ's agenda for America. 
If Congress passes H.R. 8404, these victories, all the victories that we've had as far as religious freedom and freedom of conscience and so on, they'll be wiped out. Senate Majority Leader uh, uh, Chuck Schumer announced the other day, these guys are getting panicky. They see, they see, they see the end. And it, I believe it's coming as far as their being in the majority. He said the other day, he's, um, I think it was yesterday or day before, he said he's going to uh, hold a vote this month in, in, in the Senate on eight, H.R. 8404. It's deliberately misnamed. Much of what we live with today is deliberately misinforming or misleading, but it's deliberately misnamed the Respect for Marriage Act, H.R. 8404. In truth, it destroys marriage, allowing just about any perverse union to be considered marriage in the eyes of the law. That includes a child bride, polygamous relationships, same-sex relationships, all kinds of perverted, ungodly, unrighteous kinds of Relationships. But deconstructing marriage is not enough for some of these radical LGBTQ groups. Now they want to end the religious freedom rights of anybody who disagrees with them. And that's where we are today in the culture. HRC put out a 27-page diatribe characterizing religious belief as prejudice. Religious, in this case, is 99.9% Christian. They're calling it prejudice. So if you believe the Bible, you're a prejudiced person. And they're calling it discrimination in this 27-page presentation that they have before the courts now. And they say that leads to mistreatment of people living an LGBTQ lifestyle. In fact, HRC claims that religious freedoms, and I'm quoting them, threaten the basic dignity of homosexuals. As a result, HRC is trying to force Congress to eliminate the religious freedom. They're demanding that all religious exemption provisions be eliminated, and therefore the LGBTQ agenda will be imposed on every American. Now, you've got to know that guys like Senator Ted Cruz and a, a, a lot of others are going to object to this. The problem is, today, they're not Ted Cruz and the others are not in the majority. That's the problem. And Schumer knows that, and he's going to be trying to push this through before doomsday, even after the election. HRC, their pressure tactics have become so intimidated that they have coerced 12 multinational corporations to send their lobbyists to Capitol Hill, hoping to twist the arms of the senators into voting for this attack on faith, specifically, as I said, Christianity. But there's one thing politicians fear even more, even more than highly paid corporate lobbyists, and that's the will of the people. And that brings me to next Tuesday and all of this voting season that precludes or is a preamble to election day. But I will tell you, there are there is an organized, there is a dark, dark agenda out there in our world today. 
and it is demonic in many respects. Um, I'm not saying that people are. I'm just saying they've been so misled. They're living in utter darkness as far as the way they look at the world and the way they look at right and wrong and and up and down and sour and sweet, as the prophet Isaiah said. Just days before the 2022 midterm elections, a widely touted media outlet has accused the Biden administration of not cracking down hard enough on churches. I want to talk to you a little bit more about that today. Yet critics say the law, the story endorses violence, violates the First Amendment's protection of religious liberty. So those advocating the crackdown on churches represent this Soros-funded organization. Ben Johnson is a senior reporter and an editor at the Washington Stand. And I'm going to be quoting from him in some of this because I've used his resource, his his uh, uh, work to uh, verify some of the things I'm going to be saying to you in the next few minutes. He's written an excellent article. It's informative. And I'm adding to that some other things from other sources. But I wanted to mention his name. ProPublicly is a, it describes itself as a nonprofit newsroom that investigates abuses of power. It is far left, it's widely read, it's an activist. It's not a news organization, it's an activist organization. I am particularly referring to an article that they recently published. And I have it, I've written an article about this in on our website, faithandfreedom.us. So you can go there and you can read some of the things I'm not talking about today that are a part of that. And there, the links are there, and you can go to the links and, and check out the sources here. But the this particular article that I'm referring to in ProPublica is... Um, it was co-published with the Texas Tribune, and I wasn't familiar with that. I looked into it. It's a nonprofit, nonpartisan, quote unquote, local newsroom that informs and engages with Texans. But their attack on Christian churches that are addressing this social ills of the culture is really about silencing the church. It's not really about informs and engages, and it's not about nonpartisan. It's extremely partisan. It's extremely biased. I often admit that I'm extremely biased. I wouldn't be doing this just to be putting information out to whomever is listening. I have an agenda. I believe that God is the answer. Jesus is the answer to the world today. I believe that the Bible and the precepts of the Bible, the the, the values taught in the Bible, the, the principles that are presented in the Bible, I believe that is God's truth, and that is the only way you can build an effective life or an effective country. Our founders recognize that. Our leaders today are blind. Some of them walk in perversion, but most of them walk in blindness and darkness. They don't understand that. They claim to be religious. They claim to be devout. Their own Catholic Church is constantly standing up and saying, no, you're not. But they carry on. I'm devout. I'm a devout Catholic, whatever. But they deny the very power, the very essence of what they claim to be devout about. (laughs) It's a very screwed up world that we live in today. 
And we need to find our way and sort it all out. But we need to keep our eyes focused on the truth. And the truth is the Word of God. And that's why we always look at what's happening in the culture through the lens of God's Word. God's Word doesn't change. We change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will not pass away. I don't know. I'm I'm willing to, to stand on that and put my life on it. Number one, God has forgiven my sin through Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. God brings us understanding through his word, but through his word is the pathway to the truth, to how we address certain issues. This attack on Christian churches is coming from many, many angles. But this one in particular I'm talking about today is coming from the LGBTQ agenda the community, and it is not solely funded, but greatly funded by George Soros. The writers of the story in this pro-publica claim that the specific church they identify is acting outside the law by advocating for certain politicians. They run a a, a video on this, and, and there are some guys, they're all white guys, by the way, there are some guys in a church, and I can't remember the name of it because that's not my point, but they are advocating from the pulpit for certain politicians in Texas. None none of them, I knew they were local politicians, and I forget even what town it was in. But again, that's not my point. My point is that they're, they've chosen this particular church to use as an example, and because they chose an all-white group of pastors and leaders in the church. They didn't show the congregation in the video. But they chose that because they want to make it one of the elements of this as being racist. And that's what they're doing with this. They say it was a violation of a long-standing federal law barring churches and nonprofits from directly or indirectly participating in political campaigns. That's what they are saying. And they're quoting other law experts and tax law experts and so on. The experts said, quote, although the provision was mostly uncontroversial for decades, after it passed in 1954, it has become a target by both evangelical churches and former President Donald Trump, who vowed to eliminate it. What is it? Well, it is about the Johnson Amendment. Lyndon B. Johnson. This Soros-funded publication seemingly is boasting of the government's long-standing intimidation of pastors and other clergy. They say at one point churches fretted over losing their tax-exempt status for even an unintentional misstep. But the IRS has largely abdicated its enforcement responsibilities as churches have become more brazen. I don't think churches have become more brazen. Churches, thankfully, have become more aware And some of them are feeling that they have a responsibility, the leadership, before God to speak the truth to a very messed up culture. It's not brazen. It's something like a renewal of some kind. The last several administrations have done little to enforce the law, especially Donald Trump. He did nothing to enforce the law because he didn't believe in it. And if you know the background of this, and why pastors are not supposed to, or religious leaders, myself included, we're a 501c3. We're not supposed to advocate for specific 
um, candidates. Yet, I know, I, I understand I'm walking a very, a very thin line here. But they chose a white church with white people in the video advocating for political candidates in their town there, in, in, in their area in, in uh, Texas. And yet, you look at the black churches, including Ebenezer Baptist, where Martin Luther King Jr. himself was the pastor once, and now there's Warnock guy there. He's way off the chart to the left. I mean, it's unbelievable what he believes. But he's the pastor of that church. He also is in Congress now, in the Senate. So what's happening is that the black churches are always, in fact, when Hillary Clinton or or uh, I don't know about about Biden. I, I can't remember if he's been in a in a in a black, all black church or not. I'm, I'm certain he is. I can't think of which one. But you look at the Democratic leaders, and they're when they want to get a religious message across, they go to a black church and they advocate for themselves and for other candidates. But when white people do it, it's racist. That's how they cast this. And I know black people that are disgusted with this. They feel used. By the left, and they are used by the left. What's happening today in our culture is that there is a, a there's a breaking away from all of this, and there are more and more very well informed black leaders standing up and saying, "Wait a minute!" For generations, for decades, even generations, we have supported, we voted Democrat, but we're not going to do that anymore because they haven't supported us. They've used us, but they haven't supported us. And you can say, oh, that's not happening. But it is. It is. And there are more and more. And I read what they write. And boy, I'll tell you, they're they're to the point. And they're right. They're absolutely right. They need to vote for the person that they believe um, stands for their beliefs and their values and so on. But they've been led and taught generationally to just vote Democrat. So they do. So now that the Democrats, as Biden is jetting off as we speak to Southern California to try to save the the hide of some of these far left politicians who thought they were safe and now they're feeling not so safe in sunny Southern California. As he's doing that, the whole left politically is trying to sort of create some kind of a crisis, some kind of a of of a situation that will distract people from the real issues of this upcoming election. Trump had been working on repealing the Johnson Amendment. He had proposed a measure to advance uh, whatever it took to legally uh, overturn this. And he was in the process of that when he wasn't reelected, apparently. But this movement now is pretty much led by two nonprofit organizations, but there are two nonprofit organizations that really brought this into being back in the 1950s. It was called, one of them was Facts Forum and the other was Committee for Constitutional Government. Future President, then Democrat, Senator Lyndon B. Johnson proposed the measure to advance his own career and to stifle his political opponents. This thing was birthed out of misinforming and misintroducing uh, it to the public. In fact, he, he slipped in um, this, what's called the Johnson Amendment, 
And because these two organizations, Facts Forum and Committee for Constitutional Government, had taken out ads opposing him in Texas. They proposed an amendment banning any group with their tax-exempt status from targeting a political candidate with an amendment that the state adopted by voice vote, the Senate, adopted by voice vote without floor discussion. That happened in July of 1954. That's what all of this is about. The provision absolutely prohibited, I'm looking at the wording of it, absolutely prohibited churches or other 501c3 uh, institutions from directly or indirectly participating in or intervening in any political campaign on behalf of any candidate for elective public office. Ironically, it came two months after a Senate report claimed the real threat to America came from left-wing nonprofits charging both schools and and college of changing and, and beginning to tweak their curricula to the point where they sometimes denied the principles underlying the American way of life. That was what was that was the atmosphere in which this was birthed. The ban on church elect, electioneering was not has nothing to do with the First Amendment or Jeffersonian principles of separation of church and state. In fact, the late he just died, I think it was in May, Professor James uh, Davidson at Purdue University wrote a lot about this. He was a very strong constitutionalist. And um, he said the First Amendment speaks of religious freedom. It says nothing that would preclude churches from aligning themselves with or against candidates for the political office. He said from a quote, from a constitutional perspective, that American churches have every right to endorse and oppose political candidates. Donald Trump understood that, and as I said, he was working on getting this thing overthrown. The left, they don't want that, because the left wants to silence conservative voices in the church or in religious organizations or nonprofit like ours. They want to silence us while they go on under the guise of, of if you disagree with us, you're a racist, and have all kinds of rallies and and advocacy for various candidates in churches that are dominated by the left, primarily the black churches, which I said a moment ago are beginning to break out of this. and They're beginning to say, wait a minute, we're not going to keep doing this. And I mean, it is a growing phenomenon. The numbers show it. The statistics are showing it. The Hispanic more so even than the blacks, but the blacks, I mean, they're, they're, they're changing their mind on a lot of how they vote. Jefferson, Jefferson assured the Danbury Baptists that the U.S. government would not meddle in the affairs of the church. In fact, he assured the Baptists, quote, we have created a wall of separation to protect the church from government interference. That's the basis for this separation of church and state. It was never intended to silence the church. It was intended to keep the government out of the business of the church. And for obvious reasons, because now they're trying to meddle in the church. They're trying to tell you, in our free country, you don't have the freedom to believe or to speak what you believe based on the Bible. That's where we are today. And that's why these these elections are so important. Our nation's pastors have a long and a rich history of speaking to the moral issues of concern of our nation. They've only become silent in recent years out of fear in many cases, out of political and social fear, but out of other fears as well. But those seeking to stifle their voices 
are now, I think, they're on their last go-around. And I think things are about to be, about to break open, and we're going to see some real changes in America. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.